The title of this episode is Weird Al Seinfeld Partnershipping and Transactionalism. Hi, Tracy. Hey, Tim. It's really good to see you. So I started out this episode by saying to Tim, I want to talk about cynicism and fear because that's exactly where I'm at. Um, And because Tim is a purveyor of sunny optimism, but also kind of helping me reframe my own brain, on these things. Um, What we actually wound up with today was an episode that is a coda to a lot of our discussions we've been having all year around partnering with the impact economy and what that means for us as businesses and also what the opportunity is to continue to change the narrative and set a new course for how we work with the impact economy given that we're all working with some unbelievably strange constraints going on in the world right now. Uh, Also, super exciting, Tim has officially announced and launched thehumanstack.com, thehumanstack.com. And that is the outcome of like four or five years worth of work. Uh, some of which I was very privileged to ride along with when we were working together. So congratulations, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, it's great. And you've even got branding, which is, you know, super cool. Branding. Uh, And lastly, we talk about all of our travels, the connections we've been making, the trust building exercises we're trying to do, mentorship, and and how our thinking is constantly iterating. we really would love to hear what resonates with you in this one because we kind of took a very wide palette of themes and condensed them into 40 minutes of talk so also know that at some point there will be a future episode called tim and tracy tell all the stories because i think we've made references to these epic and hilarious and fun and life-changing events that at some point as a follow-up to our Why It Matters episodes for ourselves from a couple of years ago, it would just be fun to sit around and like tell some fireside stories. So that would be fun. Hope everybody enjoys this one and know that this episode started from a really dark place, but I think it ended in a really great one. So enjoy. Hello, my friend. It has been a minute. It's hey, great Tim. to see you. It sure yeah. has been. Um, yeah. It's been kind of crazy lately, right? Oh, man. Yeah, it has been very crazy. Um, I know you've got travel. I thought that we would just start with like updates and uh, like travels, that kind of stuff before we launch into our topic. Well, I Um, I was thinking this episode, you know, rather than do the whole, you know, we're going to teach you something important. Let's, let's wait. This can we like, ever do that? I don't yeah, think we've we ever do, in we our lives. No, 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 no. We're like, hi, Tim. Hi, Hello. Crazy. We're yeah. here to teach you something important. Right. Please pay attention because you'll need it later. We just can't predict right. how far yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say this is like the Seinfeld episode almost, right? Because remember, Seinfeld was a show about nothing, but this is actually a show about something that we're going to frame in that framework. All right. I think what you're saying is that we're going to. 
We're going to Seinfeld this. We're going to Seinfeld this. Sounds great. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Factoids about about Seinfeld. Do you remember Kramer? Yeah. Did you ever see UHF, which is the single Weird Al movie? Weird Al and Yankee. Yes. 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 And Kramer, Kramer is Stanley Spadowski, who like, yes. Yes. Stanley Spadowski is Kramer. And yeah, so he's like the guy that like saves the TV station and and all that. Anyway. Okay. There is a Daniel Radcliffe Weird Al movie somewhere out there that I I know trailers for. Right. It's on one of these little obscuro networks where you're just like, oh, it's on like Telemundo North South Africa, like Japan. And you're like, well, how the hell do I get that? I know. Yeah. You're you're like, you're like doing remote, remote VPNs so you can access it. Yeah. Right. Clearly I need to do I have, I have seen that. But I also. he amazing as weird. He does. It's shocking. Yeah, and you're shocking. one of the only people in my life old enough to remember when Weird Al was on Dr. Demento oh back my gosh. in the day. Right? Dr. Demento. Dr. I've not I've not thought about Dr. Demento in a hot minute. Yeah. Like, like in a hot two decades. Uh so yeah. Or no, like that's, in a hot four because we I know exactly I know. 20 years ago and it ain't. So crazy. But, Okay, yeah, I like, saw Weird Al in concert. I was like row three in it uh, at a weird and Weird Al is weird and he's nothing compared to his fans. I think oh, there were people that had not left their their basements for a long time that, that were at that show. Uh, well, so, I mean, yeah. the only sanctioned performance of uh, Rains in Africa that I can get behind, that's the remake. Some band remade it. I can't remember what. Like, Toto did Africa, right? I bless the rains. Down yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Right. Um, you know, and my line on remaking anything that Toto did is when you score a freaking Dune film, you can remake a Toto song. Um, and since nobody's done that, I'm like, therefore, Toto songs are off limit. But there is a performance of whatever that new band that did Africa again uh, with Weird Al as the guest. So he comes on with his accordion and everything. And it's really no wonderful. way. So, yeah, that guy is the best musician. Yeah, like really we is. should talk about how he is funny, you know. But that guy can play. Yes, um, he can. you know. So anyway, yeah, uh, I don't even remember how we got Africa. on this. Like, how in the world? Al, you brought up. Oh yeah, Stanley Spadowski. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love mean, the. That's... I love that the kid. He's got that. This kid finds a marble in the oatmeal and then gets to drink from the fire hose. Like that's that scene is just like so. So like burned in my memory is okay. So um, all right. So this is gonna cheered me up immensely. Yeah, Weird Al. Weird Al has a has a way of doing that. So um okay, yeah. So um I hit the road last week and had the best week, and I want to tell you about it because it was so incredibly fun. Um so I've been hitting my head against a wall for three or four weeks. So like do tell. Yeah. No, my week, my week sounds better already then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how much I love to travel. Uh, it like feeds my soul. It gets my, you know, my extrovert muscle working. I get out of the Bozeman Shire here and get to like travel <laughs> the middle earth. You know, so oh my like, 
It was so great. Um, so Who's I went to Gandalf and all of this. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but I, I got to go up and meet Najid Kassam from yep. great uh, Kila and Fundraising Kit and was there to do some advising on Fundraising Kit, um, which was really cool. His, like that tool has has so much potential and the team behind it is just fantastic. So it was really fun to talk with them um, and, and take a look at what they were doing spend a day with them and Jenny went with me. So we got some time to hang out in Vancouver and Please. see the city. We got, we ate in that, like the restaurant that spins oh, the, at the, yeah, I've yeah. been up there. That's really yeah, yeah. fun up there. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah, really yeah. fun. Really cool. I ate up there too. When I was last in Vancouver, I was like, I didn't do a full meal, but I was like, oh, I just want to get something to eat up here. No. It's yeah. Cool. It was fun. It was very yeah. fun. I did. Uh, I left my phone and did like a time lapse on the whole way around, which was also very fun. Anyway, were there two cool. football fields? You know what? I, I I I thought about that multiple times while I was up there because that was so great. Um, yeah, that was good. So uh, I did that. Uh, that was really great. And then I flew to to Dreamforce and was at Dreamforce for from eight in the morning, and then I flew out at eight that night. So into San Francisco, eight a.m. Out of Oakland, eight p.m. It was great to be at a. Dreamforce again. I got to see Katie McFadden, Tim Forbes, Ryan Ozimek, uh, my mentee Kenny Kenny Johnson, who is just killing it. A really really great guy. Uh, hang out with. Uh, I saw Marisa and um, and uh, had dinner with Amy um, Amy Cubbage, which was great. Um, so it was really like, and I'm forgetting other people I saw in there as well, I'm sure, but it was really fun to just like go in, no sessions, did not even care, did no. not get a pass. Although I did, I did grab a free meal. Uh, thank you Salesforce very much for that. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was really fun. Um, amazing to see the gang and to remember like, okay, they're real humans here. And so that was really, really great. What um, I love about that is like. You know, what are we up to? Like 18, 19 listeners now? It's probably all those people listening who are like, oh, yeah, I saw it. I hope so. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> well, and I had breakfast with your wife, which was the perfect way to yeah. start it all off. So hey. that was, that was uh, absolutely amazing. I so. actually looked at my work schedule for a hot minute to see if yeah. I could make that work and it would not work. I was, I, I, <laughs> I almost was like, Hey, come out to play. But then I was like, I know you've got that. You've got that wall. You got to keep hitting your head against though. I don't want to get do. in the way of that. It's like a sport. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I'm what you can't see right now on the video is I'm like Jack Nicholson's joker. I'm just covered with like pancake makeup to keep you guys <laughs> from seeing the blood on recording. You know, <laughs> awesome. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah. So pancake makeup. I don't know. You know, what? I'm not even jumping into that. Uh, I think that's what it's yeah. called. I don't know. I did. Who was it? I was telling the story of the day that I met your wife oh, yeah. um, and and uh, and told you about that meeting. Someday we need to have an episode where we talk stories like yeah, the it's Tim like Tracy the big stories, stories yeah. episode yeah that would be they, fun that'd be fun the sponsor at some table point our listenership will find it funny, <laughs> exactly yeah you know? <laughs> uh so that was really great and then um i flew to albuquerque um to do some writing so i had three days to to set aside where i just did writing i also spoke at the m a conference remotely 
Yep. Which uh, so I interviewed um, um, Amy Semple Ward and Afua Bruce. Yeah, it was really yep. fun. I hadn't met Afua before, but um, really great. And I remember that book is unique. So we're talking about the the tech that comes next. And I feel like I knew this, but it crystallized listening to the two of them talk that a and and I don't I feel like I've missed this as well their view of technology as a platform to perform social justice activism is I think not something all of us even those of us that are you know in tech for good spaces really grasp the power of and I think they put that in the book and it's 2 degrees out of alignment so a lot of us are missing that but I really caught that in a in a fresh way listening to them. And that's such a powerful idea. Well, I mean, it's actually also kind of similar to the kind of stuff that like Sheila Warren talks about with Crypto mm -hmm. Council for Innovation, right? She's like, there's a huge missed opportunity here for social justice yep. in the crypto world. And she's like, everybody's obsessed with whether or not it's real and nobody's obsessed with how to make other things real through yes. utilization and yep. you know she's got a team now over there and it's really fun watching her kind of grow that but you know at the end of the day like there is some missed opportunity in the tech world right? absolutely and, yep you know it gets to one of the things that we want to talk about today you know and that is what what what's the movement that we're seeing and why but yeah, I, I I agree with that perspective. I think I have lived enough in my life where, um, you know, I am a little bit more cynical on how that perspective can reconcile itself with the ordinary ebb and flow of the corporate world that usually these things come out of. And I don't agree that the answer is then therefore destroy capitalism. Yeah. Uh, because as a former Eastern European studies major, like I've seen what happens when countries decide to nuke their entire like political and economic systems. And it's ugly for 50 years. Yeah. And you could almost point a direct line between what's going on in Ukraine with Russia back to that moment where the Soviet Union collapsed because you know, this is all about empire building. And if you don't have an empire to build, then what do you have? Right. So it's, you know, I'm a little cynical on that, but I appreciate that it's out there. I try and translate it the best I can. To, well, and the other thing you know? to say about that, yeah, I get that. <laughs> and know? I think that that must even be harder for you having worked on the corporate side, you know, both before and now. But that, I think the thing I love about what Amy and Afu are saying is that, you know, like that's going to be what it is. Yeah. Right. So let it be. But that's not all there is. So there are all of these other spaces where there are other things that can be done more directly. And I, I, at first I was like, why are they writing this to so many audiences? And yes. by the end, I was yes. like, it's because every audience has to play a part. And those audiences need to take a, a good hard look at what they're doing and how they participate. And I was like, that, that, it feels so similar to, you know, what we've been up to for so long. And I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. So I agree that at the corporate level, 
like there's probably less leverage. Yeah. But at the, at, you know, at, at other audiences level, well, and the professional story. services level, like, yeah. you know, I think that there's more that can be done. Anyway, so it was great to interview them. Um, and then I hung out with uh, the We Are For Good team, um, which was cool. really fun. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was so great to meet them in person, um, all four of them. So Abby and Julie and John and Becky were all there. And, and um, you know, be like going to this conference that I wasn't part of, but was around. It was really cool uh, to, to just hang out with them. So, um, and uh, also met Kashana Palmer, which was really mm -hmm. fun as well mm -hmm. uh, to, to meet to meet Kashana and then got some writing done. So our website, so this is the other update is that our website for the human stack launched yesterday. The, I had um, an interview, coincidentally an interview with uh, we are for good that also yep. came out yesterday. So, um, and uh, we're two cohorts down and like, I, I feel so excited about what we're learning and what we're doing on human stack. Um, it feels like, you know, this is a real brand now. So, um, so yeah, those are my updates. It's been, uh, it's been, that's all in the last nine days. So that has been a whirlwind of stuff, but really, really fun. Well, and for folks who are listening, you can't see the video right now. Uh, it's funny, like when we started putting this podcast out on real like podcasting platforms, like the YouTube thing tanked, but the listenership. Yeah, absolutely. Grew, right. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense, right? Because you're like, why would I play this in YouTube when I can just like plug it in somewhere, anywhere else, right? But there's two things I want to point out. One is Tim is in full living color. Um, it looks like they <laughs> finally colorized Montana, which is great. Uh, and, you know, Tim's also got like a big neon capital A right behind him, uh, which is cool, uh, you know? And that's that's the new brand. And it's been really... I tell folks where I currently work at the day job, you know, about going on this journey and transforming the business that was into the business that yeah. will be. And Man, I have to say, journey. like, it's really fun because I'm kind of in this place in my life where I'm like, great, I have a job. I like my job. I like my coworkers. There's a lot of hard work to do. Sometimes it's crazy, but life is good. And like, I don't, need to do the things I did a decade ago for me to feel like I have a place in this world. But what's really fun is, is kind of watching this like 10 year kind of role reversal where everybody's <laughs> like Tim Lockie and that person that hangs out with him, you know, <laughs> and I uh, think no way. Awesome. I don't think that's, I think it's awesome. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm like so happy for you watching this launch because yeah. it's needed. It's needed to stem the tide of other sort of meta shifts that I'm watching that I think can actually give people real tools. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and, and, and you know, we, I'm happy for you. I'm ecstatic, actually. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I am too. Um, I think I'm mostly happy, happy because for a good solid nine months, I think both of us were like, yeah. all that stuff we learned, all the stuff we put together the last few years, like, doesn't, what happened? you know, like, where's it going to land? And it was not clear that there was a landing spot for it. And I, you know, I feel like that, that would have been, it wouldn't have just been hard for me because, you know, it was a waste of time and I'd have to go find a real job or something. But I think it was, <laughs> it would be hard because I do actually believe this can move 
market in a positive direction. So yeah, anyway, that's I what I've been too. up to. Um, I know that you did some travel and I want to hear about the conference that you went to. It was insightful. Uh, so I traveled, uh, you know, by the time this is out, it'll have been like two months ago, but I went to a conference in Miami called Catalyst. And let me just tell you, Miami in late August is not cold. Um, <laughs> nope. But, um, you know, I, I, I had a couple of great aha moments during the course of it. Like, so if you think about how people get into business partnerships, right, there's a few paths. And my path is much less traditional than I think a lot of people's paths, because a lot of people go from sort of salesperson to customer success person to partner success person, right? And that starts their journey in business partnerships. And then they learn like the sort of like hyper rapid, hyper transactional kind of nature of sales is not actually what partnerships need. So, you know, that's a learning curve for people. And there are a lot of people at that conference who are sort of new to the field of partnerships who are like, oh, wow, this isn't a sales job, right? And what I liked about the approach that they were taking is like, look, we have to start thinking about partnerships as an industry. We have to start thinking about professionalizing partnerships and creating real professional benchmarks for people so that these jobs don't become the things that we're all afraid they're going to become. And that is, you know, just a hyper transactional extension of sales. And, you know, there's a couple of tidal waves happening right now in the world. One is everybody's going into sort of knee-jerk recession planning. And from a meta-contextual standpoint, and I'm happy to be wrong about this, but I don't think that's actually true. I think I think we're living with another crushing externality with the war in Ukraine. Um, but that does what that also means is the sooner that thing is resolved, you know, it's going to snap back relatively quickly, uh, one way or another. It will be resolved. It has to. Um, but you know, why that's important is because. For the first time ever, like I actually heard other professionals on stage talk about business partnerships, not as the only thing that attacks on ACV into an opportunity, right? And talk about fostering things like trust and alternative KPIs for measuring partner performance. And I asked a lot of questions. I was like, hey, like, you know, I work in an ecosystem where the majority of partners are small businesses and occasionally punctuated by large actors, you know? So like, how do you measure KPIs that actually help a business perform so that as you grow, the business grows and vice versa, right? You know, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night is if I'm a partnerships director, I need to think about three or four key things. I need to think about democratic access to my business that I'm leading partnerships for, right? So there can't be like the actual or perception of favoritism in that ecosystem. And democratic access is a really wide thing, right? It's a like, 
how do I make sure everybody has the same enablement? How do I make sure everybody has the same pathways to sales reps? How do I make sure everybody has the same pathways to product roadmap? And how do I give everybody input into product and community, right? In a democratic fashion, but then how do we reward ambition and growth, right? That's another thing. And how do we make sure that that growth isn't codependent and predicated on, you know, kind of strange economic kind of actions? And then ultimately, how do we foster genuine community, uh, which is to me always a linchpin of fostering connection between the impact economy and the and the commercial businesses that serve them, right? So these are the big picture kind of questions that I'm thinking about. And for the first time I went to a conference where people are like, yeah, we're actually thinking about that too, except, you know, I serve manufacturing or I had a great conversation with this one guy who was like from a platform that literally tracks the, uh, it's not the flatbed trucks, but it's the shipping containers. Containers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like how all containers are standardized, right? Like his company is a, is an app that tracks shipping containers and connects amazing. to it. And I was like, dude, this, this I mean, it, it, for lack of a better way of saying it, this shit was fascinating. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, he was telling me about like, yeah, when we, when we turned into, you know, again, I'm going to use my language for it, but like when we turned into like a polyamorous entity and realized that integrations and applications increase customer stickiness and partner satisfaction, it changed our year over year retention unbelievably yep. in, a, in our world. And I think that has always been something that has been, you know, deep in my heart around, you know, when I get up on a rampart and scream like nonprofits should own their own data. When I, when I get up on a rampart and scream, like, you know, we have to do better for the impact economy. It's that kind of thinking that's informing it because what I see is a world where, you know, two things are true. You can make a dollar and a cent. You might not be able to make it the same way you make it serving other commercial business to business entities, but you can make a dollar and a cent. And you can also elevate the organizations that are actually using your tool, right? And, you know, Full disclosure, I got on in the pre-game pre for this call and I was like, the name of this episode should be Cynicism and Fear because that's exactly where I'm at. And and Tim, you did what you do and you're like, well, let's take a step back to that. <laughs> I'm like, uh, but, you know, my fear is genuinely that this unbelievably chaotic moment in our world where we just put in, you know, a government in Italy that is just shy of Benito Mussolini in terms of its thinking and perceptions. You know, we have Russia threatening to actually use nuclear devices on the battlefield in Ukraine, right? Like my fear is that those things are driving us backwards in terms of like, oh crap, doing all this other stuff feels like a lot of work right now, but we know these knee-jerk motions work. So we're just going to go back to our knee-jerk motions, which are very, very transactional and longitudinally, in my opinion, detrimental to the impact economy, because that's not an economy that thrives on transactionalism. That's an economy that thrives on partnership, right? So anywho, 
Um, the conference was super affirmational. I got to connect with a few teams at work. Um, I, I will give a shout out publicly to an old friend and mentor, Dave Averill from Salesforce, where, you know, I finally got to see everything that he was doing reflected in my own actions. I was like, why does Dave do this? Oh, why did Dave? <laughs> oh, you know, so it was nice. And right. you know, I had a moment to thank him at a party. Um, I went to exactly one event at the massive Dreamforce thing. It was a party that uh, idealists. Did you go to the engagement party? I went to the idealist Man. engagement party. Rob um, invited me to that. And I was like, I really want to go. Okay. So Rob wasn't there, which was hilarious. What? So, yeah, it was great. It, I, I, there's some, this, save this one for our stories episode, but that was okay. a really funny party. All right. That but sounds, I that had sounds an good. opportunity to thank Dave for his like mentorship and kind of like watching his structured thinking around this. Um, and you know, so, you know, I, I, I will say that my deep concern over the next few months and into 2023 is that everybody wants to retreat to motions they know work. And this is exactly the moment where we need to do the opposite. Um, and it's really funny coming out of that conference. I had a conversation with a guy that I'm hoping to pull into this podcast, but you know, he tapped into something in my LinkedIn profile, which was a talk I gave like five years ago called the technology strategy of love. Um, and he was like, this is exactly what we need right now. And I was like, I, I literally, I, God's bless him. Like I had to go back and reread it because I was like, I forgot that I did that. <laughs> um, and I also forgot what I said. Was that the traction I, conference that you, that you keynoted? No, uh, it was at a net squared net hope, not net hope, but net squared. There's mm -hmm. a lot of net, net lots, net, lots of nets out here. Yeah, lots, lots of nets. Of nets. Uh, it was like 300 people, so it was okay, kind of cool, small. Fun. Uh, the yeah. traction thing was different, um, yeah. but you know, much like uh, Encanto, we don't talk about traction. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, so anyhow, um. Yeah. Long okay. So here's, short, here's you know, where I, I reread it and I was like, Oh my God, Tracy, were you high when you wrote this? Cause this is so far out like stuff. Um, so I've had a moment to sort of sit in a bit of cynicism because the distance between who I was when I wrote that and the distance to where I am now feels very far in my mind. You know? Yeah. I mean, um, that that totally totally makes sense. Um, like a lot a lot of shit's gone down since then. Um, okay, so people are gonna like knee jerk back to what they know for sure. Like that's like that's expected. Um, not all of those knee jerk reactions are bad. Like this is the first thing I want to say. The second thing is is that I do think that partnerships will sort themselves out in the long run and show that transactionalism is not the best way to conduct business. And that, that will show up faster in partnerships than it will with customers. Because I think with, that's right. Too. You know, yeah. with customers, you're building, you really are focused in sales is focused on a transaction moment. Like that's the whole point. Um, partnerships you are focused on a conveyor belt of actions 
And if, you know, if like people will have very little patience for, uh, for a transactional mode of conveyor belt, like that just, that just is a, it's more obvious that you're not in it for the long haul. You're just in it for like the short transaction. I just don't think that that will be as effective, uh, you know, as it is in, in sales. Does that make sense or am I naive? No, I don't think you're naive. I think what it is, is that, you know, I, I hate to go sort of hyper capitalist meta here, but, you know, when you are running a business, your primary customer is your business, right? So at some point that conveyor belt works and I have seen businesses, you know, grow really well playing that conveyor belt. Now, I, I, I'm not going to name names, but I will say to, to people like or respect them as businesses, do people like or respect their owners? No, they actually don't. Um, but it works. So when your primary incentive and your primary customer is your business, those actions work really well. And what we need to start thinking about you know, and I think there's a lot of people thinking this way, but there's no, there's not yet a perfect path is what I would say. There's a lot yeah. of people who are thinking like, great, like if the knee jerk things work, then we're going to do it. But the problem is, is a lot of people right now in this moment are not talking about what works for the next three to six months, because a lot of people are pointing backwards and saying, hey, um, we, uh, you know, we're watching the world burn because we made a lot of decisions that worked for three to six months. So like, maybe we need to adjust the timeline of our thinking around what it means to do this stuff, right? And that is something that is not economically incentivized in a growth motion. Yeah, so I no, I think that that's is, true. That's I would also... the challenge that we have is... How do you how do you economically incentivize long tail thinking? Well, and partly the you know, and I've I watched this you know being at every level. I think in the as a partner with Salesforce.org, um, I think now it matters was every level on there at some point, um, which I think is really really interesting. And I I I personally felt like there's more than one type of partnership and a lot of corporate models don't allow for that. Yeah. So I right. think one, right. one issue is, you know, like if in, and a lot of this got, you know, like who did you know inside the partnership program, which is fine. And um, what, what level of um, like, what were you there to do? So now it matters was always there to, try and shift the market in a different way. Like our business model yeah. was to create create experts and that's what we did really well. Um, we did not create a high amount of throughput for ACV, like, and, and never planned to. And, um, and I think that that was, I just think that there need to be in these partnership programs, I think there need to be different ways of operating in that. And to your point, one yep. of the, one of the things I kept finding was, that um, corporations don't know they they can't 
hold up a mirror to themselves and say, what value could I be to, uh, to this partner? And, you know, that's right. And, and I feel like for small businesses, there's a completely different playbook than for larger actors. That's right. And you could be like the partnership program could be an absolute hero. The way that the trailblazer program is for individuals in the Salesforce ecosystem, that type of economic incentive to learn a platform and go deep with it. Yep. Could have twice the power if it were approached, if, if partnerships were approached with the same degree of build your skill set and your, your business here. And I just think, uh, I think there's a low, I think that there's a low threshold for understanding how valuable that could be for really small businesses that are just getting started. Well, I will say, and, and I mean, this is the job that I'm on about right now. It's like, how do we build a partnership program for an impact economy serving business from scratch, essentially, yeah, right. and, and do so in a way that respects existing means of revenue, which are very wide and diverse, um, but also changes that thinking. And the best I got down that path so far is a rubric is, is rubric? No, rubric's the wrong word, is a matrix of KPIs that answer four questions, right? The four questions are what builds the partner business? What builds the customer success? What builds actual growth, meaning like money and economy? And what builds shared brand, right? And you know, so like my first attempt at that is to say, we can't have a program that has too many KPIs that are sitting solely in the growth column. Yep, right. So you have to have a program that answers those other questions. And, you know, hopefully some of that will make its way into it. I don't know, like it's too early to tell, right? So, you know, but if that's the best thinking I've gotten down that path so far is, we need to stop asking what builds growth alone and start asking other questions and let asking those questions shape the categorization of the KPIs that we're using to measure a business partnership ecosystem, uh, which is one better answer than I had before uh, than when we last talked about this. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here, <laughs> yeah. but you know, that's that's the outcome of you know why I'm wearing all the pancake makeup to hide the blood from banging my head against the wall is you know god if and and I you know the other thing that happened for me truly um just going back to the start of this episode and I will call this out because wow um I'm not frequently a person to exhibit vulnerability in 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 like real life I'm just not um I, I've learned the hard way that you exhibit vulnerability in the world is kind of like, here's a bunch of hyenas ready to eat you. Um, but I will say that one thing that really kicked me down was uh, I got the COVIDs in July. And, you know, this, this virus affects everybody differently. We know that already. Uh, we know the variants just blew through you know, the four vaccinations I had against the core thing, you know, like tissue paper, because that's the nature of epidemiology. By the way, this is not an anti-science rant. So like, 
sorry if you're looking for me to say something like extreme i'm not what i'm saying is, is science works and that's how vaccines work and that's why we get a flu shot every year but you know my point being it affected me profoundly and i was looking at my exercise tracking and it was like it went from like high output in june to zero july and august like i'm still recovering from it it took me a long time and like tim you know like i called you four weeks into the jig being like i'm losing my damn mind here um so and what's really funny is uh a colleague at work uh, was like, you know, I thought you were being dramatic about this sort of brain fog thing. And then I got COVID and oh my God, you were totally right. <laughs> oh, it is so, a beast. Absolutely. You know, why um, I'm saying this all is because, um, where was I going with this? It was tying back to, we have to do something different, right? And if if we can't look at that kind of thing from the lens of like, well, what happens when one of my business partners has the same shit happen to their staff? You know, if all we're doing is looking at partnerships through transactionalism and growth, that means that that partner's output is going to go down and you're not going to track the fact that they're just a human trying to take care of their team and their business, right? Yep. That's right. the fallacy of that thinking. And yep. that's, that's the point. Yep. Um, you know, along the way with science works, please get vaccinated and like stop the queuing on anti-vax stuff, please people. It's really not serving anybody. But aside from that, like truly that's the kind of partnership that we want in our world where it's like, okay, man, like I got it, you know, like your well, business and is I think that... right now. What can we do to help keep your business moving forward? And the more the more that you think about partnerships as building relationships between people, yeah, the healthier and more long term those partnerships are going to be. Um, you know, because to your point, you can have a high ACV, and that may that may not be telling you the data you, that you think it is. Um, yeah, and right. that may not be building the experience that you your customers want to have, right? And I think that that is, I think that's material to it. I would also say um, that a lot of what I found missing in a lot of the partnership programs, and I'm like, like, this is not my usual advice, but, you know, as I'm thinking about this and being a partnership business owner, I feel, I feel like, especially for small partners, a lot of a lot of benefit could come from just recognizing how important letting partners letting small business partners know their business is real and seen yeah would go like yeah small personal actions would outweigh large enablement plays like every time every single time i know and it's so simple and and just you know like you're, you know, you'll spend months building a playbook um, and, and, you know, not because it needs to be done. So I'm not saying it's either or, but I do think that that, that was one of the things that I learned. And I think that um, Salesforce really took a shift when Amy came on and started making those kinds of plays where it was, yeah. 
Um, you know, it was more personalized. The summits started to happen. There was yep. a lot of, you know, here's something to learn. And sometimes it was not on brand what yep. was what was getting taught. And I just like I thought all the partners uh, respected and appreciated that. So I yeah. feel like you know, I mean, there's I a lot be, there, too. I'd be remiss if I didn't say like some of those best outputs is, you know, informing my own playbook for where I'm at in my day job, because I'm like, OK, we did some things right here. Yeah. Like, you know, I tell folks at work all the time, I know partnership programs from having lived through it with BlackBot as a customer. Yep. I know partnerships from having built it, you know, at Salesforce. And I know partnerships from having been on the advisory board at Tech for Social Impact, right? And not to mention owning you know, a business and being a partner uh, and then being in multiple other businesses as a partner. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so You've it's like multiple times. I, you know, what I don't do anymore is say that all of these programs are unhealthy. What I do say is that, you know, we have to cherry pick now the strategies that really work. Yep, I agree. And we have to apply them judiciously. And moments like we're living through, I mean, going back to, to why I wanted to call this episode like fear and cynicism, like moments like we're living through is actually where we need to step into that, right? Yeah. We, we have to we have to say this is truly an unknown unknown. Now, how successful, you know, any of that will be, time will tell. But, you know, it is the cogitation that, you know, keeps me up at night these days and ages is like, shoot, you know, it's not enough to do what we've been doing. But the forces of everything else happening in the world is driving us to react right back towards do what you've been doing because it's clearly a path that works. Yeah. Right. You know, and you know, what, what they don't see are the thousand kind of conversations that you and I have all the time or the off the cuff remarks that you'll hear from a partner or a customer that lets you know how they're really thinking about things. And there's still a disconnect there, you know, so we have to try. The other thing, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I couldn't agree more that this is not the time to pull back on a strategy that was long-term. Doesn't matter. Like all moments are scary. That's the thing yeah. I also want to say to you is I've never known you to not be like looking at the world and saying the macro of everything that's going on leads to this terrible conclusion. And, you know, I think that that because all moments have themes of disaster in them. I'm not saying that this one's not worse, like absolutely, like we may be hitting a crescendo, but <laughs> we may, we may just be like on the front end of that too. So it could, you know, like, and I think that that's my point. It is not the, this is not the moment to um, make a change on a strategy that's been being built. The other thing that I haven't really thought about this before in terms of partnerships, but there are like, I imagine, and, and your current position may not be this at all, but I imagine that there are times at which you don't want a democratic approach. You want a couple of really quick, high gunning, unbelievably true, you know, really tight partners to set the stage and to, and to set the bar for what partnership looks like for whatever organization that is. And you, and, and the access on that may not be equivalent to the access on somebody else that's just like showing up for the first i i don't feel like you know like it has to be democratic and and equal access from day one um nor do i think that 
pay like I actually also think pay to play models are really beneficial at at some stage again like at some stage and and different layers of and types of partners but you yeah. know I think that that's that's all part of the all part it's of the messaging of the math, here. right yeah, and, exactly. and that's you know to to what we were talking about before we hit record I think you know for me this is the moment where you throw the anchor farthest into the future yeah and then you just make a decision on like how many links you want to implement to get there. yeah that's true right? like yep. that's all you need to do it's that's where like you're genius saying, too by the way not everybody you know, can not everybody can like do what you're talking about there that is a superpower of yours i've seen you do i saw you do it at no it matters i've seen you do it everywhere you go um and i think it's i, I think that that's just like it's really impressive it'll be fun to watch how that how that shakes out and it's non-transactional too the thing that's interesting about you tracy is you that know. while you are going to champion that it's non-transactional you're also very aware that transactions do matter i think so. that is the that's the thing i feel like people can fall on either side where it's kumbaya land or it's just like you know give me the receipt next in line right um and and i feel like your balance of, you know, hey, we're in this to build relationships. And at the same time, there's an economic functionality that has to be in place. I just think yeah. that that's and kind of interesting too. Ecosystems have differently shaped economic constraints. Absolutely. Right? That's the other thing we need to understand. Like right. I spent, when I was in Miami, I kid you not, I spent six hours out with one sales team. Uh, <laughs> And that's all we say. We say what happened in Miami stays in Miami. But the premise of the conversation was like, hey, we can't trust you if what you're doing is slowing down that exact motion that we need right. to fulfill yep. opportunities in this way. And I was like, okay, you're fundamentally misconstruing what I'm saying. So exactly. let's talk about it, right? Let's yep. really talk about it. And we got to some really interesting places in the conversation. Like- you know, ultimately, you know, ultimately it was a great night out. It really was. Um, I was exhausted the next day because found my way back to the hotel room around 2.30 in the morning. But was it worth it? Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's what, you know, also you've got to do is you have to recognize that you can dream a lot but at the end of the day, there are people whose livelihoods yep. are not conditioned yeah. on that dreaming. Those dreams you need to have to, legs. You need yeah. to like understand what it is that those livelihoods exist within so that you can like shape your thinking around that too. And it doesn't make it bad, right? Yeah. Like I said at one point during the conversation, look, this is all cultural is what it boils down to more than anything else. I was like, I know salespeople really well. And I was like, I've had the privilege of riding aside some really talented sales folks. I was like, I know your world. Like, you need to understand, I know your world. And the last thing I'm going to do is, you know, put roadblocks up when you're looking at like three days to respond to an RFI and all you got to do is find the right categorization of thing to submit to yep. it. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to come in and be like, hey, let's talk about feelings. No. And I think, but I think that's moments. what it sounds like when you're talking about transactionalism. Yeah. I think yeah. that it's really important to balance it out with, you know, um, with that. And I know yeah, that um, exactly. we are short on time. We are. Last, Shoot. any last uh, 
last thoughts on partnershiping and transactionalism? Um, you know, well, Tim, what you're pressing on is super important to understand. And that is, unless we, like the royal we, decide what we want to do is fundamentally shift our economy. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm saying that it's going to be a 50 year slogging journey that's going to put everybody into poverty and create like mass wide scale, like famine and uprising. But sure. What I will say is unless we decide we fundamentally want to shift the underpinnings of our economy, you know, making the next dollar is going to be equally as important. And it is equally as important to that small business as it is that sales guy who's just trying to like, turn the deal, get the opportunity closed and move forward, right? So, you know, one of the meta lessons that we have to digest is, you know, there's a lot of nuance when it comes to serving the impact economy and serving it well. And at the same time, the thing that I don't think we've been great about is educating the impact economy around the real realities of what it means to be a business. Um, yeah, because we try to hide it in marketing, you know, yep. like we, we try to hide it and do this and you'll feel good. But yep. there's actually some education that needs to take place around like, if you guys want to like do 4000 open source projects with no coherent developer team and 500 like flavors of Linux, go for it. But like, if what you want to do is buy serious enterprise grade software, you know, we haven't educated the impact economy as to what that really comes with and why folks are acting the way they are in the first place. And I think that's another area we can do better. Yep. And I think, I, I do think, um, I was just talking on a, another podcast right before this one. I do think professional services is the, is the branch that has to lead the charge on that. And, you yeah. know, I'm going to say next is that we need to start focusing on humans. Right? Of course, yeah. nobody's going to disagree well, with that. Big capital neon A. Right. Yeah. You, well, you know? but the, yeah. but the point here is like, um, you know, until, until the Big Mac was invented, if you wanted a Big Mac, you couldn't have one right, right. now. If we want to see like these kinds of uh, this kind of technology, hit the ecosystem way that's going to land we have to like balance out and create products that nonprofits can buy that will uh, more likely lead to outcomes that are positive for them and right now i don't i think that they just know like okay it's a crapshoot if we roll the dice on a big expensive system who knows if that's going to land that's and right. that's and that's not because the software doesn't work and it's not because the nonprofit couldn't be capable if they were approached the right way. It's because it's because professional services continues to let yep. all like they they let nonprofits decide what they're going to buy and don't create those products. So I'm with you right there. I think that it is it really is time for the consultants to say, here is what success looks like. It is purchasable, but it's not free. And yep. and we're not gonna slide it into the yeah, we're not going to just slide it into the project management, you know, budget and pad it out because you don't want to buy it, but we know that you need some of it. So yeah, anyway, I mean, project there you management's go. a great skill, but yeah, you're spot on right. right. Exactly. I think it's a great place to, to end it. Yeah. So thanks folks for bearing with our Seinfeld episode. <laughs>
um, today where we talked about everything and nothing, but hopefully you got something out of it. Yeah, partnershiping and transactionalism, I think is actually a good way to, to frame it. Um, yep. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, Tim. This is Tracy Kronzak. And I'm Tim Lockie. And you've been listening to Why It Matters, an independent production that captures our passions, personalities, and purpose for technology as applied to the impact economy. All of that's important, but even more important, we are here to have fun and introduce some of the people and ideas that keep us up at night and get us out of bed in the morning. We are so grateful that you've been listening to us. We have no idea why you'd want to do that. Maybe you lost a bet. Maybe you're stuck in a car with someone else controlling the sound system. Or maybe you are truly interested in what we have to say. Whatever the reason, whether it's a bet or you're a believer, would you hit subscribe? Or if you've already done that, would you mind leaving us a review? And if you're really brave or want to punish someone, please recommend this podcast to your friends, enemies, and family. And all kidding aside, thanks for tuning in. And we are so glad that you're here.